This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. The dog days of summer are here, which means it's prime barbecue season. The grills are kicking, and as we get in those last days of summer, you really got to make sure you have what you need. But it also means that the American Royal is right around the corner. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could want. Make the Kansas City Barbecue Store your one-stop shop for everything that you need for the American Royal. I know that I will. This year at the American Royal, we'll be doing our first live Pitmaster podcast broadcast from Kansas Speedway with the great folks at the Kansas City Barbecue Store. We hope to have a lot of teams come by and say hi, and we think it's going to be a lot of fun. So as a listener of the Old Virginia Smoke Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this American Royal season by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, and for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. All right, special treat this week on Pitmaster and Old Virginia Smoke Podcast. Number one, we're doing an in-person recording, and number two, it's with my first mentor in barbecue. Mr. Chris Capel with Dizzy Pig. How are you, my friend? Doing really good, Luke. How are you doing, man? Glad to be here talking to you in person. You, know, you always put a smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a beautiful day. We're <clears throat> drinking some beers and uh, talk about some barbecue. One of the I remember the first time I met you was at a contest out in Bluemont, Virginia, and I was cooking with a different team called. Uh, or the first team I was on called Smoke Dreams, and the guy, uh, Kirk, great guy. Um, but they were very insular and didn't like to get out and meet people. And I went, I'm, I'm not like that. So I was out walking around, and I met you, and you're like, try these rubs, man, try these out. I tried them, I was like, man, these are this something, you know. And then went back, I was like, hey, you guys ought to go over there and try it. No, we're good. That's what we're doing. I'm like. So then you fast forward a couple years and we cooked our first contest as Old Virginia Smoke at uh, Barbecue Jamboree in Fredericksburg. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, I walked over and you remembered me and we started talking and uh, you offered to switch meats with me in my first contest. And tell me what Offer you thought. what? To switch meats. Switch meats with you. Yeah. So I took you over all four of my, my entries and... Oh, Yeah. So we could each try each other's stuff, yeah. which I love doing with teams. I think it, I think it helps a lot. And we try and do it every contest now right. with somebody just to see what else. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember get, coming to talk to you afterwards, and you were like, "Your chicken and ribs were good. You're going to finish 12th or 13th in those, but your pork and brisket they need work. Right. You're going to be down in the 30s on those." And I'll be damned if we weren't 12th in chicken, 13th in <laughs> ribs, and then in the 30s in brisket and pork. You got it. <laughs> right on the head so from there on it just yeah you were one of our first sponsors you were the first class i took uh just you've always been there yeah i'm here i'm (laughs) I'm still here just not competing anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's also a very cool week uh coming up the american royal is coming up wow and uh i i remember my first royal you took me to a couple of the um, 
historical barbecue restaurants around Kansas City. Oh, yeah, we did uh, uh, Oklahoma Joe's and... Um, I think we did uh, Arthur Bryant's, too. Yeah, Arthur Bryant's. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. And that's a... We were there eight years in a row, which is just crazy when you think about the, the 1,100 miles that you had to drive. <laughs> we had a place we called the St. Louis Triangle, which is where the axle would always come off the trip. Or the, you know, <laughs> we'd burn up a set of bearings. We blew the whole wheel off and it was all right around St. Louis. We called it the St. Louis Triangle. <laughs> cool, man. Well, this has been a long time in coming, so let's get into some of these questions. One of the most, I think, and if anybody, if you haven't tried the Dizzy Pig Rubs, like, you need to get to a barbecue supply store around you and get get those on your shelf right now. Or get online. You, or can, you get, can buy them fresh from the, yeah. from the source here. Get them straight from the source here, Dizzy Pig. Uh, we, we use them every day in our house. And that's been one of the most impressive things about you to me is your palate. Mm-hmm and the tastes and flavors that that you've come up with but i think that that also comes from a place of confidence in what you're doing where does that confidence come from um well i mean confidence is it usually happens (laughs) i mean you have it if you know what you're going to do you know or, or you know like you know you have a plan i mean obviously with creating seasonings um, it's kind of a lot of patience and a lot of trial and error and, and a lot of trying, but um, I, I, I knew that I could find that that end flavor. And right. a few of those, uh, a few of our seasonings, like Bayouish, for instance, took me three years. Of um, I, I, had to, I just had to walk away from it a few times. The same with Crossroads, which was I remember that our, one. Our yep. traditional, yep, you know, thirteen ingredient traditional barbecue rub that shouldn't offend anybody that took me a really long time and I had to walk away but I always had the confidence that I would be able to to find that flavor I mean you know with you need a little bit of patience to have confidence for sure but um but yeah like as far as competitions go um it's it's about that plan it's about knowing what you're gonna do I was just like thinking about that too because Rod Gray is the one who really helped us out early on in our competitional uh, career when he said, um, once you get a call in a category, you need to lock in what you're doing. Um, and like that'll help you develop a system that everybody understands and that you can carry out every time. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you do bad in the next competition after getting a call, you can't change anything. You can't change one thing. Um, until you don't do well for three competitions and then by then you shouldn't have you know, some kind of problem that you have to solve like some but you can only make one change <laughs> and, and that helped us to develop a system that gave us confidence because everybody knew what we were going right. to do and win right and that's you know it's you're saying these words right now at a very good time for me right because I'm having a problem in a meet and in the past two contests, I've just done something completely different each time, and it's oh yeah, and uh, I know better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know better. What am I? Sometimes doing? you're sitting looking at those score sheets, and 
you know, some other team members might be around and said, I told you you should have used this sauce or, I, you know, I've been saying we should do it this way. And yeah, you can get going down the wrong road real quick. Absolutely. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I think I just need to re-listen to that lesson. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. What it was hard. It was hard, especially <laughs> yeah. when there was other, you know, there was other people on the team with good ideas. Um, but you know, you never really know, like, is that really what we need to change? You know? Right. Because the judging is so wacky and you know that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Your career has been a lot of, a lot of it's been barbecue, but you've done some stuff before that. How's your career and life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be a well, I, I mean, I guess as a, I was a creative professional, so I was a graphic artist for, for 20 years before I started, you know, before I started like Dizzy Pig. Um, so it was a creative, I, I had to had to be creative. Mm-hmm. I had to be creative on call. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes creativity comes at certain times, but I, I had to be creative and and so you know so that experience obviously like gave me uh but instead of working with colors i'm working with flavors now right but there's a lot of similarities in the creative process between the two um also like another experience outside of barbecue that really made a difference was uh in 1983 my uh my roommate was like "I'm i'm gonna have a beer and ale tasting party there wasn't any micro brews really at that time. America was not the best in the world at brewing beer like they are now. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of imports that we had. We had Canadian beers, we had German beers, and we had to write down what we thought about these flavors. He had like 17 different beers, and he was serving seven ounce samples. Imagine wow. what would happen <laughs> at, the, at the end of that night. But. Uh, <clears throat> And we had to write down and really think what was going on, you know, with the maltiness of it, with the, with the sweetness. You know, what happens 30 seconds after it's in your mouth? And a lot of people, like, think of taste as, as, as one thing, like, when it first hits your mouth. But we all know, especially, you know, good cooks yeah. and, and pit masters know that it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a process. I mean, it goes on for a while. And um, so in learning about that and how to put how to start picking out certain flavors uh that came from the beer tasting and um and then with my wife being uh vietnamese originally and cooking vietnamese food and seven sisters that also are cooking vietnamese food i was getting all these different types of food and i and i found it uh fascinating to try to kind of pick out what they were using in there you know, learning about the ingredients they were using. So, you know, with my wife and Vietnamese food and and beer tasting and the creative process, I think all that um, perfect storm helped into. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great, man. We haven't even begun to talk about like all the stuff that you've won in barbecue. Which <laughs> is a lot. It's a lot. If you come to the Dizzy Pig store here, there's there's trophies pretty much in every corner. And I love to teach now. I mean, 
even when I was competing, I was pretty like generous with my knowledge with absolutely with, you know, with other teams and didn't really care if they knew exactly what we were doing. They're not going to do it exactly like us anyway. So I, so I've always been pretty open about that. But I'm really enjoying teaching the classes here, teaching um, all different types of classes on on grilling and cooking. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've been doing some of that myself, and I really. Just getting a message from somebody that they tried one of your recipes and it yeah. came out right and they, everybody loved it. There's, yeah, there's or, nothing better. Or they come back for another class and they're telling you that you basically solved a lot of problems with one thing that I explained to them. You know, it might just be one little concept, but it, you know, like say using too much charcoal when you're grilling. Yeah, a lot of people put way too much charcoal in the grill and they have a hard time controlling the fire and um, have no idea that that's what their problem is and then when they try it they're like holy cow you changed my life (laughs) (laughs) right one of my favorite things to talk about on here is failures and like a favorite failure where something happened in a competition that you really learned from and I I know I have my my share whenever I have to answer these questions yeah but do you have like a favorite failure of yours I was thinking of that the other day, and it wasn't really like a fa- like uh, I I don't have any big ones like I have seen you know like people having a grease fire mm-hmm. and winning the contest you know um, for us it was uh, kind of we learned a lot from some roller coaster in uh, uh, like in our temperatures during the cooking. Um, or having the fire going out at three, four in the morning. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's when a lot of people are putting on their meats. But for us, having a fire go out in the middle of the night when we're putting our food on at ten o'clock, <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> but when that happened, we all we were always able to recover and and make the adjustment. And in a lot of ways, the food came out better because there was you know there was something about that cooling off of the outside of the meat you know during that time when the fire was out Mm -hmm. where it was still cooking right because it's like the outside temperatures are transferring to the inside it's not losing any moisture you know yeah you know so that's kind of i think like the only thing i could really think of was these roller coasters uh and, and and how well the food came out but that also helped you know relax us where if something bad happens you just you stay calm and you make the adjustment right and you go through with it and hope for the best and being adaptable is one of the main things i learned from you mm-hmm. in terms of it's never going to be the same each cook right each animal is different you got to treat each animal different and think things are going to happen and yeah. it's it's getting that experience and learning how to deal with it yeah and, and and finding those uh um, what do you call them? Benchmarks, you know, that you, you you would like to see by a certain time. Right, right. You know, like if you don't see, you know, if the crust on your brisket is in a certain way, like after like six hours, if the spices are still wet on there, there's something. Something's there's up. Something going on. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the most surprising thing to come out of a competition barbecue for you? Um, I think. Probably it's, I knew I would meet new people, but I didn't realize how many lifelong friends I was going to have, you know, 
you know, from being out there. I mean, we were on the circuit for almost 20 years, yeah. traveling to different states, and uh, I've got friends in a lot of different states that I can call up and say, hey, I'm coming into town, <laughs> and uh, never really thought that would happen. Yeah, it's it's amazing Yeah, when you think about it and... You know, I'm going to the biggest family reunion I have next next weekend. Right. The American Royal. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's just... And now where it is in the Kansas City Speedway, it's like being trapped in a barbecue snow globe. Right. Are, 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 um, so are they putting all the invitational teams, you know, together in the same area? Kind of. It's a little more... It's not as defined as it used to be between the dark side and the... I guess you would say that we're on the on the quiet side. Now, we're also extremely far away from tournaments. Oh, well, that happens at the Royal. <laughs> yeah, it's in, but actually, I don't have anyone behind me. I'm up against the fence. You need blockers. I mean, at least at the yeah. old Royal, you needed to have blockers. You still do. It's always good to send two people. But, yeah. but those two people are dog tired after two oh, days. Right. No kidding. It's seven, eight minutes each way. And uh, I forget how much Kim said she walked last year, but. It was over like seven, eight miles right. between the two days. Holy cow. I yeah. believe it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think we did eight years in a row going to the Royal, and it was always one of those kind of things you were honored to be in, but the more you did it, the more you got tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I, yeah, it's and it, and I've done it so many different ways now in terms of either driving out, driving out early, uh, having someone drive with me, flying out. Um, and this year I've gone the, the full extreme of driving out and doing all that. I've, I'm flying out Sunday night, I've rented an RV, borrowed a pit. I don't have to leave the speedway. I mean, when I say an RV, it's a 35 foot RV, it sleeps nine, the right. whole team can stay there. I just, we just had so many logistical problems last year. I was like, I am not dealing with any of it. Yeah. I'm just okay. going <laughs> to. There's your adjustment, right? I'm just going <laughs> to see how comfortable I can make myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways, I miss it. Um, uh, that was always quite an experience. My mind is kind of rolling along right now of all the different things that have happened out there in KC and the surrounding area. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you, and I think I know the answer to this question, but what do you think separates a good pit master from a great pit master? Um, well, the ability to make adjustments um, is one of the big ones. Um, you know, like a great pit master will be kind of watching for the benchmarks of where they need to be when and you know like the more you do it the more things that you'll see um but it's also the ability to to build relationships with other cooks and um learning you know different like techniques and the ability to kind of sort out which of that information might help you and which of it might take you down the wrong road that's important yeah it's so important yeah. it's and i think that's something that i'm really good at right i'm really good at 
ingesting knowledge. Right, right, right. But I think I'm better at this can work for me or this doesn't work for me. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you everything that I've learned about barbecue has come from you and Donnie Bray and Chris Hart. And probably a hundred different, different easily. people. But it's parsing all of that and putting it together into something yeah. that works for me. I've, yeah. Uh, for example, like the buttermilk thing when... Uh, uh. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when Kenny Baker went over to to Barbecue Guru and was cooking on their team, and kind of took a lot of like Dizzy Pig's uh, um, techniques and shared it with Bob Trudnack, and um, and they were doing their thing, and I, you know, I was like, buttermilk, huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we leave it at the buttermilk overnight, and uh, we think it tenderizes the skin a little bit, and. You know, uh, we started doing that. It didn't hurt anything. And I, 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 I really think the flavor that it adds to it is really special as well. Yeah. So just little things like that where, huh. Yeah, exactly. But it's also the way that you cook it and how that applies Yeah. moving forward. Because um, sometimes yeah. if you're doing it in a different environment, right, then it might not work the same. So. Yeah, and like obviously a great pit master is going to have good organizational abilities and be able to clean up after yourself. <laughs> clean up as you go, man. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't take long to learn that you got to do that. Absolutely. You know? But not everybody does. No. I've run into a couple situations, especially when I'm by myself. Right. Then I'm like, ah, this is, I can't, this is not sustainable. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to barbecuedata.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. So let's switch gears a little bit here into some gear-related questions. What's one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? Um... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was our trailer. I mean, uh, right after we won our first competition, and it was a, it was a it was a good money competition. Um, we won sixty five hundred bucks, and I bought my six by ten trailer that, that I like dizzy picked up, put a get spun license tag on it, and uh, <laughs> I didn't have to you know unload a U haul every time that we went. And it was our I think our seventh contest so we did like six contests with a u-haul and had to <laughs> unpack all this stuff at the end and pack it back up figure out a place to put it and so yeah having that trailer we put an ac on the trailer and after we emptied all the all the stuff out of it we put cots in there put two cots in there and have the ac running you were in that trailer we called, oh yeah uh, we called it the ice box absolutely freezing in there <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that by far was the the thing that came to mind. That's cool. But that's an expensive one. What's a purchase of a hundred dollars or less that really has changed your barbecue game? PVC pipe leg extenders. <laughs> huge. 
huge My deal. God. <laughs> I can't believe how, how long we were leaning over until we saw somebody with those PVC pipes. <laughs> it's, uh, I, keep, I keep a set in the truck, and I keep two sets in the J3. Yeah. Just because, and I've used them in non-barbecue situations right, right. where people are like, oh, I need you to do that. So but like, you got to buy the right kind of table. You got to look at the legs first. <laughs> It's also happened. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great one. Uh, that's one of my favorite questions, just because people have come up with some really ingenious things, that's funny. like the butter cutter. Yeah, it's an unbelievable tool. Love the butter cutter. What's a butter cutter? Oh, it's this. It's shaped like a stick of butter, and it's got metal tines. So you stand your what? stick of butter up, and you go like this, and it cuts it into perfect. Oh my god! Oh my it's, lord! It's so hard with the. I mean, because you're cutting them with a knife, and then by the time you go to put them on your ribs, uh, they're stuck together again. I'm getting you a butter cutter. Or, uh, I'm gonna do it. I mean, I'm gonna order it before <laughs> I leave. You gotta have a butter cutter. It's the best thing in the world. I think I have seen this. Courtesy uh, of Darren. On, uh, Darren Worth. He's the one that showed me the butter cutter. The TV ad on it. Uh, yeah, he. I remember when, the first time I saw him cut butter with it. I went. What is that? Yeah, sort of magic is that? Why didn't we think about that? Right. And he's like, you don't have one of these? He's like, no, I do it with a knife like a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you on, I know that you used to use a lot of temperature controllers and stuff with the eggs, especially for the overnight. Is that still something that you prescribe to? Yes, absolutely. That is uh, when you asked about, you know, technology um, mm -hmm. I, I'm not I don't use a, a large amount of technology like I, I you know if I have a, if I do have a pick controller I, I'm not I don't want to look at it on my phone right you know? <laughs> I want to set the buttons on the pick controller but uh, sleep is I you know I try to put a value on sleep you know how much is you know how much is six hours of straight sleep worth and uh, for me yeah, the the first night I used temperature controller, it paid for itself. <laughs> so I do love that uh, um, technology, and, and I was lucky enough to know the the original inventor and patent holder on that technology was Shotgun Fred Perkle. Yep. Um, and he was uh, he was a special guy, and we missed the hell out of him, but. Um, yeah, he's the one that, and I was one of the people he was testing it out on. Yeah, shotgun Fred. It's uh, yeah, those things are so, especially when you're starting out and learning your pit, and you know, it, it's really just gives you a little bit of a, yeah, confidence, but also a little bit of a, yeah, you can relax. But I always it. recommend for people to learn how to do it manually first. You know, so that right. you can understand what's going on, and then, then hook up the controller. And I was even kind of anal about when I put the temperature controller on. You know, um, um, Shotgun Fred and the Guru guys always told me, just hook it up on there and let it get your fire going and all that. And it just drove me crazy that that <laughs> that air blowing on my fire. It's like, like it. No, <laughs> I wanted to get it all all started and and. And, and going the way I like to do it. And then once I had everything dialed in, then I would let the controller take over. Yeah. I just felt much more comfortable then. Absolutely. 
Let's talk about people. 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 So when who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? That's a big question for you because you've been Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Um there's a lot. Um I mean Mike Kerslake uh, oh, yeah, from Canada, be. like the co-founder of Dizzy Pig. There would be no Dizzy Pig without him um, and no competition team. So I guess he would be the, um, like the single largest impact yeah. um, on my life. You know, as far as mentors go, um, uh, Dr. Barbecue, uh, my buddy Ray Lampy and Rod Gray were both really important early mentors. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was actually like 20 years of conversation with all these different pit masters, but, uh, but as far as individuals, probably those, those three guys. And Rod's now president of KCBS. Rod is president of KCBS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's six weeks in now. Why did it take so long? I don't know. <laughs> but I think he's going to do a great job, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and I'm excited to see him next week. No, there's no way he won't do a good job. He doesn't have it he, in him, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have it in him. When you think of the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? Uh, Tuffy Stone. In my mind, maybe it's because I was so close to him. Um, you know, obviously Myron is you know is out there as far as successful goes. He's uh, he's killing it. But um, you know, thinking back on the, uh, you know, I've spent a lot more time with Tuffy and um, uh, amazing guy, and we've learned like so much from each other and from mm -hmm. those late night conversations and yeah. Um, so and he's. What he's won every major competition there is, <laughs> probably a couple times over. Pretty successful. Yeah, and it looks like he's having a good time as well. He works too damn hard, but <laughs> I think he's having a good time. He's doing great. Uh, and I was wrong earlier when I said that this was the second in person. This is the third. Uh, Bill Gillespie, Tuffy Stone, and now you, the three in person. Ah, uh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I went down and saw him and. Uh, just I've been trying guy. to get my Tuffy to go fishing. He, I can't pin that guy down. He's been traveling a lot. Yeah. Teaching and cooking all over the place. And, <laughs> oh, well. Get to see him next week, I think. So when you were competing heavy and you had an issue with a meat, who, was, who would you call? So many people would call you for advice. Who would you call for advice? Um, I would look around and see who's currently getting awards <laughs> and, go, and go talk to them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's changing so much. It's changing so fast. Um, I, 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 I would want to hear a few different opinions before I, um, Try to solve any problem, right? You know what I mean. Try and get a consensus, or or just get get a bunch of different ideas. And, yeah, but the key to that is practice too, right? Like making I mean, sure. It was, uh, and, and also, it'd be interesting to talk to some of these guys that have been doing it forever, 
and still succeeding the way it is now, like Darren, um, uh, Worth? Yeah. What the hell? I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's impressive. The span of relevance yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And I, uh, he won probably what about six weeks ago. He won another one, and I called him and I said, "What'd you do?" He goes, "Decide to stop screwing around." I was like, "So the midlife crisis is over?" Like. He's, he's like midlife crisis. I'm like, that's what I've been calling it. I didn't know how to explain yeah. it. You're just screwing around with everything. He's like, yeah, I'm locked in now. I'm like, okay, good. He cracks me up. We always had great conversations. But um, I was Smokey D's. Come on, yeah, you got to talk to him. He's yeah. He's my answer to that question usually. So, <laughs> well, he's the one that pretty much taught me how to cook on the jambo. Right. So. If I have an issue, that's right. That's where I'm and going. Some of these newer, up-and-coming teams that are kicking ass, I haven't. I, I don't even know them. You know. Yeah, it's well, and classes have changed barbecue a lot. In mm -hmm. that, you know, you can go take a class by four drums and be relevant. That's one thing we didn't have when we started, right? At, at all, really. <laughs> right. What was that like without classes and like just you had to. Yeah, you had to learn. Clean. If it wasn't for Rod Gray's advice, who knows where the hell we would have ended up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because because uh, after we won that first contest in 2004, 05 and 06, we won half the contest we competed in. It was it was ridiculous. And I told the guys, don't get used to this. Like right. this is just our time, man. Like, <laughs> and um, it, 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 if it wasn't for that advice of locking things in, we could have never done that. Yep. Lock it in. That's that's the key. What was so you, you've already mentioned this though. Getting that advice from Rod is probably your biggest turning point yeah. as a pit master. Here comes my favorite question that I've been wanting to ask you because I know a lot of these. <laughs> I haven't been around. And do you have any habits, rituals, or routines like superstitions or things that? You had to do at a contest? Yeah, you know us. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really put having fun as a priority, you know. Um, and, and one of our routines was just to bring a bottle or two of really good tequila, oh. you know. Um, 80, 80 bucks or more if preferable, you know. <laughs> um, you know, like Anejo, just beautiful stuff. And um, so we would regularly pass it around oh yeah and, and, we, and as soon as we open it we would say like dizzy pig dizzy pig dizzy, dizzy pig, pig. <laughs> and, and then we do a little baby sip i mean like eyedropper you know what i mean like you could fill up an eyedropper and that's how much we're sipping but uh but when people come into our site you, you know they think that we're hammering down and we hand them the bottle and you can see the bubbles coming up in the bottom and um kind of takes them out of their game a little bit sometimes a little bit of a head game huh? <laughs> yeah i don't know about a head yeah i guess you would call it a head game it's not <laughs> eventually tequila ends up being a head game yeah <laughs> no. but no that was a regular and um you know people on the team you know would all if they were in the liquor store and saw a bottle we hadn't tried yet they'd pick it up sometime we'd end up with three bottles of tequila there <laughs> not by the end of the weekend 
And you guys were always usually Thursday Thursday arrivals mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, to this day, I'm I'm early for everything. Me too. I don't need the stress of being late, man. I know the feeling. And it's not fun. And it's not good for your blood pressure. So it's not I'm good just, for your brain. I'm early for everything. I uh, I had it happen two weeks ago, oh, recovery yeah. fest. Uh, didn't get on the road until late and then got lost when I got down there because I headed in a different place. And I ended up not parking until around, I think it was 1230 on Friday. And you're probably ready to just blast well, off. Injections are at 10 and I missed that. And, and yeah. I was in a bad mood and stressed out and my cook reflected every one of those right, things. Right. Every one of them. And I told myself, I said, at a word, somebody texted me and said, how do you think you did? I went, shitty. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it was wrong from the beginning. And I mean, out of 134 contests, I don't even know if there was two that, that we didn't get there a full day early. Right. You know, it, it was always like, you know, you spent all that time just getting settled in and kind of getting ready to go to work on Friday. Right. And, and getting all the partying out of your system, all that stuff on Thursday. And, uh, you know, and then we'd have a good, like, breakfast on, on Friday. Absolutely. And then we'd come back, for, you know, all ready to go. And people are pulling in and setting up. And we're like, how are they going to, like, I don't understand the, like, it's supposed to be some fun here. <laughs> you were know? also, I know this, that you love listening to music when you cook. Yeah. Oh, pretty much with it, almost everything I do. Everything you do. Yeah. And what kind of music is, what are you listening to these days? Oh, man. I, I've got Spotify now. I mean, I had an iPod that had like 7,000 or 70,000 songs on it. I had them in playlists, and my iPod kicked the bucket. Uh, I got on to Spotify. So my library that I'm building up is now a little over 3,000 songs, I think. Or, uh, and there's a lot that was on my iPod, but I'm listening to a lot of new stuff. Yeah. Newer stuff as well. I love that we have, you know, they have a, the ability to kind of see what, well, you're grooving on and and like suggest yeah it's pretty certain crazy. things so i've learned about some really cool new bands um <clears throat> but i like something uh with a beat and a groovy bass line um and some originality i mean uh, uh these classic rock songs that i've i'm 61 so <laughs> i've been listening to you know classic rock for well since it was classic and um, when it was just rock <laughs> yeah and, and there's a bunch of songs out there that really i wouldn't care if they dropped off the face of the earth and i could never listen to it again like sultans of swing by dire straits i mean come on really how many years are you supposed to be able to listen to that song i can't anymore and still like it like, so um you won't find any of that stuff on my playlist um you know, but I love like the Almond Brothers, Little Feet, uh, Derek Trucks, um, Tom Petty. You know, who doesn't like Tom Petty anyway? The Los Lobos has been wow. around for like 45 years now. They're amazing. Their stuff always makes me feel good. So, you know, if I'm not a fan of music that was done by people that are pissed off at the world, like <laughs> that's just really not 
what what I want to hear when I'm <laughs> when I'm out cooking barbecue. But um, you know, we could talk about this subject actually for quite a while. I know, I know. It's and maybe we do a part two someday. We just talk about tunes because yeah, that'd be fun and just, and actually have some people chime in. Absolutely, and, it's uh, uh, we have we've also a huge Spotify uh, fans got in that early and was like, this is great just for finding new things and but now we've gone way far over the deep end like there's the ultimate barbecue playlist which is okay probably about 140 songs that kim and i both have to love right if one of us doesn't love it it does not go i got you um then we have individual meat turn-in lists (laughs) okay seven to eight songs for each meat and they play in that order every time so something's happening when that song comes on and uh yeah but you need more on those playlists right so you're not hearing the same group i have the same eight songs for each meet in the same order every time oh okay so you're yeah but but you're gonna want to change that after i i do and i've gotten a little bit more lenient about Okay, that song, I've had enough of that song. Yeah, I'll yeah, put this yeah. song in. Then you'll hear a song like, I heard Can I Get Up from Jay-Z. And I'm like, that has to be on my pork list. <laughs> but then something's got to come off. Right. You know, so. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's gotten to That's that. That's pretty rigid. It's, it is. <laughs> and I even, I broke the rule last week. Or, I didn't break the rule, but uh, we were cooking out of a pop-up up in Lake Placid. And, uh. These people were watching me do brisket, and I mm-hmm. told them they could come around and watch. And, but NWA was on, and I told them in very cl- clear language that that wasn't changing. <laughs> and halfway through, you know, Kim will let you know too. You oh, know, you know, something is missing. Hundred <laughs> percent. One day she's gonna be like, "Come on!" But she's she's sneaky, man. She'll throw songs on the ultimate list that she really likes, and that's how she tests them on me. Oh, so like if it's so on, no pre no, no approval. She's getting a little daring with it, but, oh, okay. but she's also introduced me to some cool stuff. So okay, there you go. Can't really argue with it. Yeah, oh, we're going to do a part two on that. Yeah, and we'll do like a yeah, we'll do that one live, and we'll take questions. Yeah, and right. talk about music. That'll be awesome. <laughs> uh, when you were getting ready for a competition, was your planning the week of the same? Like each week? Yeah. I mean, that's what, yeah, absolutely. Because um, we had, I mean, like our system, um, I mean, really the last four years we competed, almost nothing changed about our timeline or our recipes. So it was it was all about preparing the marinades. And, you know, we got kind of going down a, a time-consuming road, which actually I would recommend if you have the time to make your own uh, pork stock and and beef stock for the injections mm-hmm. that's what you want i mean that's the flavor that you want to use in your injection obviously you could put some msg or salt in it which i do <clears throat> but having a um a good smoke roasted stock you know go to the, uh, the asian market and pick up neck bones and and you know even a couple of hoofs in there if you want and mm-hmm. uh and throw all those pork bones or, or beef bones in a in a half pan or a whole pan with some onions and smoke roast those things on your smoker at like 350 hmm. 
until they're caramelized. The onions are caramelized, the bones are caramelized, and they got a little bit of really light smoke on it. You don't want a heavy wood smoke on that injection, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because you're controlling the amount of smoke that's right. on your meat, and you should be able to. But that that high temp smoke roasted flavor on those bones is freaking incredible. And uh, yeah, we just throw them all in a big pot, throw a few more onions in there, cook them. Tw- Add water once in a while for 24 hours. That's and, awesome. And then strain it off, put it in the fridge, and it'll turn into like a gelatin, which is also going to help the mouthfeel of your of your product because you've got all that that melted collagen absolutely that you're putting back in there. Um, so I had to make sure that was done. You know, I, I had to make my brine. Um, Brian Jungins was doing that actually for a couple of years and uh, some reason stopped doing that. I forget <laughs> what actually happened there. But um, but yeah, no, it's all about just following the system and finding the meats. You know how much of a challenge oh that gosh. can be sometimes. Absolutely. You know, especially now what they're doing with ribs. Have you seen the ribs at Costco and BJ's now? They're cutting the, the end of the bones off to make little riblets. Yeah. And they're selling St. Louis cuts with like half of a bone yeah they're awful it's wrong and unusable no they're totally unusable even for cooking at home yeah i would argue (laughs) so i mean like that just happened in the last year so it it, you know if i got back into competing i'd be like what am i going to do with my ribs now like where am i going to get those but anyway that's what the prep is like you know just kind of making sure i have everything and that i like the quality of the, the meats that i'm getting yeah one of the most important things I think that pitmasters need to listen to is their gut and their gut feelings when they're cooking. You're a big time feel cook. How do you relate to those gut feelings that you should be doing something if it's not within your timeline? It just looks and seems like it. Never ignore it. Never ignore it. Doesn't mean you have to act on it right away. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll, most of the time, I'll, I'll I'll hit the other people on the team, dude. I think we, you know, we gotta. <laughs> you know, I think the temperature's got to go up here a little bit, um, or, you know, whatever it might be. You gotta trust it, and um, yeah, you, you do not ignore your gut feeling, and um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that uh, you can't. it's. But that's one of my yeah. That's one of my my biggest things is is that I think people don't understand um, a lot of times what their mind is capable of. You're just trusting your feelings and also what you see, what you smell, what you hear. Um, a, a lot of people are missing that, and I'm really worried about it. Like that was one of the biggest you know, lessons in your class was yeah. that. You can't just rely on your timeline. Right. You need to rely on every one of your senses that you have available to you. Absolutely. I remember that from learning in your garage. Yeah, and and then like the first time that you heard the drip pan that was his like hissing and popping when it never really did before, you were on it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was there ever do you have an example of when that gut feeling or intuition didn't make any sense at all but worked i i I couldn't think of anything Um, (laughs) 
Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a bunch of small things, but I have a lot of gut feelings. Right. <laughs> I've got gut feelings popping up all day. <laughs> I think I, I mostly get them around rack time. Right. You know, open the cooker and look in. Okay, I'm not supposed to do that for 15 minutes, but it really, yeah, yeah. really looks like I should do it right, right, right now. And that's kind of where that and at the end mm-hmm. on the cutting board. And, and I just thought of this while we're talking now. Other people's gut feelings. Oh, wow. Somebody else on the team says, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's time to come off or whatever it is. And if you don't listen to that you just messed up like yeah other people's gut feelings are just as important as yours and that's man that's a huge point because you got to have people around you that you trust absolutely know what know what you're trying to accomplish especially when you're trying to figure out what food to put in the box now (laughs) you know you know what a challenge that could be yeah and kim has become really good yeah good Uh, especially taste wise well that's cool because you can trust her so that that's what happened with our team was I was like, especially after I got that like tick bite and I got the meat allergy where I can't, I right. shouldn't even be eating with beef and pork. I, I really had to count on, on them to, uh, to tell me what they thought. Yeah. And it, so important. Like Brian's wife, Nicole was, was really good with it. Um, and uh, actually everybody on the team was, yeah. and, like I trust everybody. If they didn't have an opinion, they wouldn't say anything, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself yeah. with and we actually have quite a sizable contingent going out to the royal this year so right i'm pretty excited about it yeah yeah awesome man well we can't we've gone wow that feels like we just started talking yeah but we got to hit the rapid fire questions all right these are my favorites <laughs> what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you uh, well, that I can't smell and taste it, and then it probably doesn't taste as good as it looks. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, the whole bacon wrap shit, I don't get it, man. I don't understand <laughs> that whole thing. I don't. Like, ABTs are awesome. If you cook them right, they're awesome. Almost everything else wrapped in bacon is just like, why did you do that? You, just, you know, why did you like totally prevent a flavor crust from being created on your meat? And now you got to worry about trying to cook that bacon perfectly and the meat perfectly. And the bacon's never going to, it's never, it's never good. You can't get it right. It's, it's a, yeah, I, we've, I've done that also in the business side. Like people are like, why don't you have bacon in your mac and cheese? And I'm like, cause don't need it. Yeah. And, you know, somebody that's vegetarian can come and eat. Yeah. If I have that in there, that's they can right. eat. You know, it's... Well, how about some crunchy bacon served on the side? Now you're talking. Yeah. Right? And you can incorporate yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Uh, we ate well, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, we always had someone that was bringing, you know, Chuck would always bring the local Jersey corn make a corn casserole and um but yeah post competition yeah you know it, it ain't barbecue um <laughs> usually going to be chinese or or, or italian you know, pizza or, yeah. or, or italian i think or maybe fried chicken um 
I mean, during, uh, I'm usually not hungry. I mean, I, I don't know if you're that way, but you know, when I'm cooking and I'm bathed in the smoke and bathed in the process, I don't even feel like eating and, you know, just trying the chicken and, and the ribs and the pork and the brisket is enough for me usually yeah. during the competition. I have to get something in for breakfast. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and That's why I love New Holland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that place called? Uh, yeah, that, 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 that little a place attached to the hotel. Um, oh, my god! Right there. Yeah, you just walk over to Railroad Tracks and, uh, man, it's a... <laughs> great breakfast <laughs> um, but yeah um so that's pretty much it I, it, it was always it was always like different because we had you know that's a great thing about hanging out with cooks is you never know what they're going to bring and start cooking. oh absolutely yeah. and i've had some amazing bites of food from yeah. everybody on your team susan Teresa, uh -huh. brian nicole i mean everybody it's always been tasty. Yep. Chuck, Woo Doggies. <laughs> Chuck, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Jason. Jason. Oh, he cooked that fa his famous mac and cheese for Dizzy Fest. Oh, really? It, it, it was it was gone in minutes. <laughs> I mean, uh, as fast as people. Yeah, you know, $100. There's like eight kinds of cheese in it. It's insane. Dizzy Fest. Dizzy Fest just happened this past Saturday. Yes, it did. That's where a bunch of cooks come here to the Dizzy Pig headquarters and up the tents and cook food all day yeah that's pretty much what it was you know it's a member event so um you know that's a it's a good way to get a around the health department thing for anybody out there that might be listening and wants to have an event like that just make it members only you know <laughs> just members cooking for members yeah we had uh over 300 people here we wow. had a, a band uh and yeah 12 uh 12 volunteer teams were cooking their specialties for and we had the dizzy pig tank going and we were putting out a lot of food nice yeah it was an awesome day and it's it, always weather was perfect it's one of my goals to get back to doing that yeah i need to know when the next one's scheduled so i can just block that day i'll do it <laughs> come here and just cook all day it's so much fun do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people um Full disclosure, I'm not really good at giving presents. <laughs> um, but yeah, like a bottle of tequila is normally one of my favorite things to give. Or, uh, you know, some kind of a consumable that the, that the gift receiver might yeah. um, enjoy having, you know. My, my favorite gift is definitely alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. They're going to enjoy it and it'll get it used. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not going to sit on a shelf or... Right get put away somewhere uh last question if you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it getting a message out to millions or billions what would it say and why yeah i mean um i would probably need a copywriter to come up with something that's billboard worthy but um basically it would be like and and it, and it goes back to the gut feeling thing you were talking about too is um don't forget how powerful your mind is like don't forget what you can do with your mind you know um you can do so much without looking at your phone and um i always recommend to younger people that they that they actually like do that like you know um, uh, um guess what time it is before you look at the time every time that you want to know the time try to make a guess first uh, guess how fast you're going in your car then look down at the speedometer uh, 
Well, guess what temperature your meat's at before you put a probe in it. That's a good one. And then when you put the probe in it, right? And so your mind will start adjusting until you can do all these things without any technology. And um, I'm really worried about that with phones. Like, I'm just waiting for that day when, when the phones go out and people are driving around in circles. They have no idea where they're at. Um, Can't call it, anybody it, for it, help. It, it's worrisome to me. Uh, <laughs> To think of, but really all that stuff's there in your mind. And if you get a copywriter to put that together, um, I'll buy some billboard space. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, tell people where they can find you, find Dizzy Pig online. Yeah, well, basically you can put the words like Dizzy Pig into Google. And it'll take you, like our site will pop up on there. There is a like dizzypig.com, but don't go there. It doesn't work. Uh, um, you know, somebody else snagged that domain has been holding on to it for 20 years that we've been in business. It's, it's, it's dizzypigbbq.com. Absolutely. From there, you can get out to all their different social medias. and all Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You can follow us. Uh, yeah. We got, I think we're on Facebook as, as like Dizzy Pig Seasonings. Uh, but you can find us on, on pretty much all the platforms where we're not doing great with putting out massive amounts of video content on YouTube, but there's some, there's some cool stuff. stuff on there to watch. Um, Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, we also, we, uh, we have a cool, uh, thing going on right now that was an idea of mine and that's, um, I've noticed over the last 20 years that people who try our product, um, usually uh, come back for more, mm -hmm. um, and they want to try other flavors. Um, and they become loyal customers, which is awesome. But I know there's a lot of people out there that haven't tried it, and I really want them to. So we have a deal on our website uh, called a Try Me Sampler Packs. So go to the website. Uh, uh, I think it's under packages. There's a Try Me like sampler pack that's ten dollars shipped to your door for five samples of Dizzy Pig, yeah. uh, which is basically our cost. We're shipping it for free. We're putting awesome. five seasonings, in, and you can choose from chicken, beef, vegetables. Our most popular, so we have like several combinations of flavors you can try. So that's the best way to try them. So if anybody's out there and is curious about what's craft, true craft seasoning tastes like that we grind right here in house, try it out. It's ten bucks, man. Just. Uh... I'm just going through the catalog in my brain. <laughs> Mediterranean dish is a use every day in our house. Uh, I've won more money with cowlick than any other rub on the planet, <laughs> all, and that'll never ever change. Uh, it's just hands down one of the best beef rubs out there, um, and it's great on chicken wings. I mean, I've heard that. I, I tried love it, it on chicken wings. I don't know why I'm trying, <laughs> but it's yeah, I've. If you look at our brisket numbers, you can trace it back to one single solitary wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Chris, it's always great spending time with you, my friend. Always good to even hang out with you, but sitting here and being able to talk barbecue with you and actually have other people listen to it, it's really cool. Yep, and uh, I'm just excited to see what's coming next. See what you got any new things coming out soon? We did the SPG line yes, last year. Very good. We did a kind of a, I wanted to call it like Simple Man, but I got a little pushback because 
from the women. I don't know what the problem was with that, but we ended up calling it SPG. But we have a SPG with herbs in it, SPG with chilies, uh, garlic heavy SPG with a little bit of dill seed that makes it taste like butter. All really like simple, basic like seasonings that. Um, I'm surprised how much like we're using them in our kitchen. We have yeah. them right on the back of the stove. But I got no other. Uh, I've got some ideas, but um, I want to take a break. We have 34 flavors already. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, they're all good. They really are. Appreciate that, my friend. So, did you guys get out get out there try the get the sample pack from the DizzyPig.com, DizzyPigBBQ.com. You'll you won't regret it. It'll change your life. So. My friend, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2022. Old Virginia Smoke.